As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. BTE builds products that you can depend on, whether it's a complete power glide transmission, a torque converter for your specific combination, or any related component or bolt-on item. The professionals at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed. Shop online at bteracing.com. Did you know that thisisbracketracing.com is more than just our premier membership community, This Is Bracket Racing Elite? Thisisbracketracing.com offers not only written and video trainings designed to help you improve as a racer, but also a myriad of free resources designed around sportsman drag racing. And it's all that we know. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Hello, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss... Chet Dragon and Tesla powered scooters. Big Jed, how are you today? <laughs> oh, Luke, I couldn't be better. I hope the same for you. Absolutely, absolutely. Big show on tap. Lots to talk about. Lots has transpired in the two weeks since we met. Lots on the table this weekend, namely the richest purse in drag racing history. And I think that. Is as good a place to start as any. Gotta hear this. This week on what everyone is talking about. Jed, I don't think of myself as an old man. And it wasn't that long ago that a fifty thousand dollar to win drag race was a big deal. I mean, we had like five of them a year. Yeah. 
This week, we have two 50 granders that just kind of serve as an appetizer to a race that will pay 10x that, plus a little bit. This was originally the SFG 500, now be the SFG 525, $525,000 to the winner, guaranteed, Saturday night in Martin, Michigan. By the time that you folks listen to this podcast, that event will be underway. Uh, the festivities get started Wednesday. Jed, we made a big deal about the Spring Fling Million, and rightfully so, as the richest drag race, not bracket race, drag race in racing history just a few short months ago. That posted an advertised post of $375,000 to the winner. This weekend's event will trump that by one hundred and fifty. dollars grand (laughs) it is pretty incredible luke what we considered a big race uh as you said just not too long ago and now racers will get the opportunity twice in a year to race for half a million dollars plus Uh, this one obviously being the the richest purse in drag racing history and it's cool to see that happen in bracket racing but $525,000, $525,000, you know, is a is an amount of money that I don't ever remember, okay, any of the million splits having that kind of money in it. So you're talking about what everybody's trying to get to in those races, trying to get to the split, and then they've got that certain amount of money to deal with. Now you've got the winner's purse alone at over half a million and then they'll start working from there. Of course, unless Kenny Underwood gets down to seven cars with a buy, and then who knows what'll happen. But that's a lot of money, Luke. The split itself will be really interesting because, as we've said before, the the million dollar race, the Spring Fling Million, like that, the way that that purse gets redistributed has become very predictable. You know, like tend to have a pretty good idea of how that's going to shake down from 16 cars on, you know, with with few exceptions throughout the years. Um, this this event this weekend, it's it's different because admittedly the the purse structure is extremely top heavy. I mean, I think it's thirty thousand dollars to runner up, right? Five hundred twenty five grand to win. So obviously, um, this is going to get cut up, assume, presumably early. It'll just be interesting to see when it's all said and done. There's a lot more in the kitty. Uh, total than any of the the previous millions. I mean, it's, if it's one hundred fifty thousand dollars more to win, there's obviously I don't care how bad the payback is. There's going to be more money in the pot. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if and how much the lion's share of that ends up trumping the typical million dollar purse. Because like things have escalated a little bit in recent years, but typically you could kind of set your watch like the winner of the million gets a hundred grand when it's all said and done. Yep. With you know three to four hundred thousand dollars in the pot, when you take that total pot up to six hundred, six fifty, whatever that, like, how much does the winner's share increase? And it'll be interesting to see. You know what I mean? Does it just get distributed further throughout the you know the remaining thirty cars, or is it literally like the winner's share doubles or triples? You know, who knows? Yeah, I predict. Uh, a, I predict an earlier, an earlier cut, um, but. You never really know. It's really all based on who's in it. So, exactly. And the the structure of the SFG races presents some unique variables because there will be multiple buy runs around. 
because the the no box, the door car, the dragsters all run separate until there's a winner in each. Um, and the, you double entries in the same car are allowed, so it's realistic. I don't know how how. Uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't say how realistic it is. Like the, not the word that I'm looking for. Like it is not Black. crazy to think. Yeah, how likely is it? But it's not crazy to think that eleven cars left and somebody could be two of them. In yeah. the same car, you know what I mean. And then, oh. how does that restructure that that discussion? Like, it, it's just very interesting. I don't want to say, like, I want to. I guess I do want to say more complicated, but just a different spin on it. Like, it'll be interesting to see how all of that shakes down. Yeah, it will definitely be interesting, and um, I'm sure the bracket racing world will be watching very closely. That's that's going to be exciting. Obviously, I won't get to make the trip, but it will be exciting to see how it plays out. I'll be there. I'll have a front row seat, hopefully, like on the racetrack late and all of that. But I'll, I'll be there to watch it all happen and report back to the masses here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. Let's have a little bit of fun with this. We do this with each of the big races on the calendar, Big Jed. So, what we're looking for is total number of entries in the big show, the 525 total number of entries in the biggest surrounding race which presumably would be friday's 50 grander and give me a winner of the 525 we can go back and forth on that you can do them all in one hit like however you see fit so where do you want to start okay well we'll start with the with the 525 itself and uh, we talked a little bit off air but based on my uh news feed on my facebook it the entire living, breathing world is attending. Um, it looks like everybody's going. So I'm going to say that number's big. I'm, I'm going uh, 453 in the 525 itself. Okay. I think, That's a big number. I think that is a big number. Um, and in the surrounding races... Uh, this has a this has a Montgomery Million feel to it to me. Uh, I just feel like a lot of people are going and going to take their shot, and I've seen a lot of last minute decision type posts. So I'm going five sixty eight in the surrounding right. races. That's a lot of race cars. Okay. Um. <laughs> Admittedly, we'll get to our winners in a second because that's the fun part. This is – I will be the first to admit I i have as little feel for this event as any big event that I can remember. And maybe that's because like this is the first SFG 525, right? Um, so there's no precedence. And maybe it's because like I haven't personally attended a lot of the SFG events. Like I don't really know what I'm getting into. Um, but I put some feelers out this morning and was like, so is this race going to have 250 entries? Are going to have 650 entries? Like where are we going to fall? And all of the response that I got back was like closer to the 650. Like everybody's going, just like you said. So I'm going to temper expectations a little bit. Um, I... With the double entry rule in place, and I think I said something similar to this in Vegas, and I wasn't that far off. I, I think you were really close in the surrounding races, and I was really close in the actual sprinkling million, if I remember I, right from Vegas. I think you do remember right. I, I'm going to say that a significant percentage of the cars on the ground are double entered in the surrounding races. 
Um, so give me, I'm going to go a number really close to yours, but give me like, ooh, yeah, I need 568. That's a good number. Um, yeah, I'm going to go right there with you. Give me like five, I mean, let me go under just, just for sake of it. Give me 552 in the surrounding races. But I think that the cost of the million and the, the labor of double entering, like, I just don't think that same driver, same car will double nearly as often in the 525 as the surrounding races. So I'm going to go with, what was the number I had in my head? 363 for the million. So okay. we're way, way different. I, mean, I keep calling it the million. It's not the million. It's the, the 525. Um, but 363 versus your 453. So significantly different there. It's close on the surrounding, the biggest surrounding 50 grander. Big Jed, um, there's a lot riding on this because you are going to make somebody's day given your track <laughs> record. Who wins the SFG 525? Uh, obviously, I've, I've been reached out to uh, quite a few times since my lucky back-to-back winner's picks with people saying, pick me, pick me. Obviously, that has no bearing on the outcome so i'm not really uh, trying to help anyone that asked to be picked but this guy didn't ask i'm gonna pick i'm sorry i was just saying that's humility for you i mean you realize you are picking the winner so no pressure (laughs) Uh, i'm gonna pick the final and it's gonna be two really good friends and in the final will be Racing Jason Lynch, and it will be Luke Bogalak. Oh, I like it. I like it. So congratulations on making the final, my friend. That's going to be huge for you. Unfortunately for you, Catfish will come out the victor. Okay. I mean, if you're telling me right now, hey, <laughs> you're going to run her up to 525, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm cool with that. Yeah, and I got nobody you. I'd rather lose to. So catfish for the W, I'm on board. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I like I like it a whole lot. I was trying to. Uh, I was actually on an airplane the other day, thinking about this. Like, who am I going to pick to win the SFG 525? Who am I going to saddle with those expectations? And uh, I'm going to go. Like, I'm not going to say that my pick is off the grid. This is uh, a racer that is very accomplished and has won on the biggest stages in the sport, uh, namely. Uh, at the fling races and the Michigan 50 grander. Um, but probably for most listeners would not be like the first name to jump to mind. Be like, Hey, that's the guy I'm going to pick to win. I'm going with Chris Stein. That is my pick to win the 525. Nice pick. Thank you. Nice pick. Can I, can I have a, can I offer up a, um, I guess, a dark horse, not really a dark horse, but, uh, a, uh, another pick kind of a backup pick. By all means. Uh, Lane Dickin. <laughs> Way to go out on a limb. Because <laughs> Lane just, I don't know, man. He just, in these big ones, he just does it. But, you know, catfish well, ain't going to care. That it, your the moment's not going to get to catfish. You think? <laughs> your Your perception of Lane Dickens racing is skewed by the fact that Lane only stages at the races that matter. He would win all the time everywhere if he went all the time everywhere. But he just goes to the big ones. So you know what? He only wins the big ones. 
how that works. Really good point. Really good point. Okay. So that is what everyone's talking about. The upcoming SFG 525. Um, it. It will be interesting. It will be it'll be interesting to see, assuming that our predictions are remotely close to being true in terms of a massive car count. It'll just be interesting to see how this is all managed. Like that is a ton of cars to get down the racetrack for five days of racing. So uh, in double entries and multiple uh, like classes or, or, or classes isn't the right word, multiple areas of competition bridging into one. Um, it'll be, it, it'll be a challenge without question. So, uh, looking forward to seeing how it all shakes down, looking forward to seeing someone take home this massive check, life changing money. Probably if we're being honest, life changing money for the last four to eight entrants <laughs> in the event. Uh, it's going to be really neat. We'll have a lot to talk about in a couple of weeks. Jed, let's transition briefly to the the kind of um, 1B of what everyone's talking about. Because I've heard a lot of um, discussion over the course of the last couple of weeks about the NHRA national event in Norwalk, Ohio. That's Summit Motorsports Park. Um, and you'd think it's funny that we are even discussing this event on the sportsman drag racing podcast because this event didn't include any sportsman drag cars right this was the event that uh i'm sure that by this time you're aware of the the decision that was made obviously the national event at norwalk's been on the schedule since the schedule was released um weather looked excellent obviously fans have uh have booked in well in advance, committed to coming. Um, the issue was pit parking at Norwalk. Like most of the Midwest, the place has been underwater most of the spring into the summer, and um, they determined that, that there was not enough decent parking to hold the sportsman rigs for the event. So they uh, canceled, isn't the right word, postponed postpone the sportsman portion of the Norwalk national event. So it just ran the pros. Um, which let's be completely frank. Um, I, I personally, I don't know where you stand on jet this Jed. I don't doubt that this was the right call. It's probably the only call. Um, and I, to be completely honest, I am not in the business of questioning Bill Bader, pretty smart guy. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the feeling seems to be that like, this was some sort of trial run for the NHRA to see how a national event worked without the sportsman drag without the sportsman classes. And that has been the the cause of contention among sports and racers. Like, oh no, they're just they're they're seeing how this is going to work. They're going to phase us out, right? Um, a, I don't I don't think that's accurate. Like, I don't really think that's the case. Maybe in retrospect, they're like, hey, that that actually worked okay. What do we need these sportsman classes for? But the truth is, we don't give the NHRA enough credit. Like as a organization running a business they've thought about the idea that they probably don't need us to run the show like it's not like they woke up this morning like oh wow that might actually work right um there is a reason that they keep the sportsman classes at the nhr national events and let's be quite frank if they wanted to see what that looked like without us they just have a race without us they wouldn't need a reason right Mm -hmm. so i think that there's a lot of conspiracy theory involved there in general but let's assume that that's true that nhra wanted to experiment with a non-sportsman national event um and my question my challenge for each of you is is that such a horrible idea 
and let me be completely clear because like most anyone else, you know, I, I include myself in this conversation, that actually attends those events, you know, national events on a, on a semi-regular basis. And I would assume that if you attend those events on a semi-regular basis, it's because, like me, you enjoy them. Like, I actually like the atmosphere and the challenge of national event competition. And I like that the competition is spread out over two, three, four days that you might make one run a day. And I realize in doing that, that I'm not what the fans are there to see, right? And and as a result, I'm not the priority, right? That's there's Fox there with national television like Clay Milliken and Steve Torrance and John Force. Like those guys are the priority. And I get that completely. I don't really have an issue with that. I like the atmosphere. I like racing in front of the crowd. And quite frankly, I just like the challenge of the spread out competition and all that comes with it. So like most in that situation, I don't like the idea of seeing that change, of seeing like a professional only national event and sportsman go do something else. But if we're going to be completely honest, that's probably just because, uh, like most all of us, I don't really like the idea of change in general, right? I just want things to be the way they are because sure. that's what I know. So I guess my question would be like, do we as sportsman racers, really belong at those events and could there be a better option for the pros for the sportsmen and for the fans potentially if that somehow got split up i'm not like laying out the groundwork to say this is how to do it i'm just saying that i would be open to the possibility that yeah there's probably a better way to do that that suits everyone a little bit more and if nhra wants to go down that road and pursue that Again, like I'm not going to chomp at the bit because I don't love the idea of change, but the idea that there might be a better method um, doesn't seem that crazy. Oh, it doesn't. You make some very valid points, but I don't think there's any intention to phase out sportsman racing from the national event scene in, in NHRA. I, uh, if you watched Bader's video. I agree completely, by the way. But yeah, yeah, I knew you would. But it's it's obvious that there was an issue there that these guys were ahead of the game. I think this a lot of times with NHRA, and I don't mean to knock them, but a lot of times they dominate and tell the tracks how they're going. Not a lot of times, most every time they dominate, tell the tracks how they're going to operate and how they're going to function. I think this is a very trusted source for them in Bader and Norwalk, and I think he made the call and told NHRA what he thought needed to happen, and they went along with it as a trusted source and uh, you know, try to eliminate a lot of the problems they were going to have. Uh, I think if anybody on the national event trail wants their sportsman racers to be involved and get to enjoy an amazing atmosphere, it's the folks at Norwalk. I think they love having their sportsman racers. Obviously, they can pull off pretty much any kind of situation, as you don't see many tracks that have ever hosted a 1,000 race cars at an event uh, with any type of success. These guys have done it, I think, multiple times and have handled 600-plus like it's uh, just a regular Saturday night race. So, 
they know how to handle things. They know how to run a race. They know how to get people parked in good situations. And they knew it was going to be a terrible situation. Made a great call early, got it done. And it is what it is. Um, overwhelming support, I think, has been sent their way for this decision. I have seen quite a few naysayers and people knocking the decision. But uh, for the most part, I think everyone understands and I would say probably 80% plus of the sportsman racers that were entered, entered uh, are appreciative of the decision. So I think it was a really good call. Yeah, I agree all the way around. And in reality, all that this decision has done is delay the inevitable second Wally of the season for one Chris Garrettson. It's just going to have to come at a later date. So we look forward to that. Big Jed, let's transition now into our regular feature. That is the BTE Who's Hot. He's on fire. It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. BTE staff is selected directly from the racing community. From sales to manufacturing, each member of their staff is a performance enthusiast. With multiple world championships and number one qualifiers, they offer expert professional technical advice for your racing operation. See our staff directory. Our commitment to your success is part of our own. Luke, this, you know, a lot of times we struggle with the who's hot. You know, we're like, oh man, this and this one, this one, or this one can get it. And, you know, we, we definitely want to get everybody their due. But this week, it was fairly easy. This yeah, this was is this fire. was not one. Of, this was not one of those weeks. Yeah, this one. Uh, thanks for making this simple, uh, Chris Whitfield. <laughs> this was this one was easy. Chris Whitfield, Denver, Colorado racer. So let's back things up a little bit. This would be June eighth. Chris Whitfield wins a ten thousand dollar race at Grand Junction, Colorado. One of, if not the only, big dollar events in the state of Colorado that went unnoticed on the previous podcast. Sorry for that, Chris. We apologize. We didn't realize you would take it so personally. (laughs) The very next weekend, Chris's show goes to Bandemir. That's his home track, Denver, Colorado, for the NHRA Division 5 Lucas Oil Series opener. At that race, Chris keeps that hot streak rolling by winning the uh, Super Comp shootout. It's the little eight-car, you know, appetizer for the main event. So, cool. Okay, nice nice little addition there to what's already been a great season. Because if you remember back in, I think it was February, Chris won a day at the, is that the West Coast Classic? No, that's the that's the May race. The Tucson race, the big dollar race that Chris Morsett yeah. put on. Chris Whitfield won a 20-grander there. So, 10-grand win, bracket race, Grand Junction. Follows that up with the Super Comp shootout win at Denver, which again, just an appetizer because a day later, Chris Whitfield, super comp winner, super gas winner, did the double at Denver. Mm. It was his first and second NHRA divisional event, Wally, in the same day, just minutes apart. And not only doubling at a divisional event, which is a huge accomplishment in and of itself, then you combine the bonus race as well and realize then that it backs up to a $10,000 victory less than a week prior to it. If that wasn't impressive enough, the way that Chris Whitfield won was as, if not more impressive than what he won, specific to Super Gas. He bookended the event with an 18 light in round one and a 33 light in the final. In between, no worse than nine, 
It's a 005, 009, 005, 001. Similarly, in the Super Comp category, let's pull this up so that I'm not lying, seven-round event in Super Comp, he was in the 20s, three of the seven rounds, 20, 23, 23. The other four rounds, three, two, four, four. Yeah. Mm. That'll usually get it done. So Chris Whitfield riding an incredible hot streak, double divisional winner at Denver, just to cap off what was an incredible week, a week that he will never forget, and a week that is, uh, may, again, made this week's presentation of the BT Who's Hot an easy decision. That goes to Chris Whitfield. Yeah, great job, KW. Very deserving. That's a heck of a stretch right there. And uh, he wins a lot, but uh, this was, uh, you know, a little bit... I guess, non-normal, non-usual for anyone. This kind of stretch right here is very, very impressive and very deserving of the BTUs hot. So great job, Chris. Congrats. He wins a lot there on the mountain. Like, I think we need to have a runoff between world championships won by Anthony Bertozzi versus track championships won by Chris Whitfield. I think the running total is like 92 for Bertozzi to 91 for Whitfield. Somewhere right in that range. (laughs) It's a lot for both of them. That's the type of level that we're talking about here. I don't want to interrupt (laughs) or stop this, but I feel like Chris might have just gotten married too, like recently. He's had a little bit going on. Yeah, I know. uh, Just got married, just recently moved, pursuing like a master's degree. Like the list of current life tasks for Chris Whitfield just makes me look and go, wow, I'm not doing a thing in life. (laughs) <laughs> Nothing. Chris Whitfield's got it going on right now. Things are going his yeah. way. Nice run. Absolutely. Well, well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> Let's keep it on the, uh, the NHRA Lucas Oil Series Tour, Big Jed, following that Division 5 event in uh, Denver, which took place the weekend of June the 16th. Just this past weekend, the weekend of the 23rd, brought a pair, actually a trio, of NHRA divisional events. We had the double up in Division 6 at Mission, as well as um, the conclusion of the Division 4 race in Belrose. That was scheduled for earlier in the year. Rain pushed it back to this past weekend. Let's start with our friends to the north up uh, up in Mission, Canada. What stood out to me from that event, again, that's a double divisional, so two races in one weekend. I believe there was just one double-up winner, and that was in competition eliminator. Mr. Ryan Warder got the win in both events, so shouts to him. Nearly a double-up winner in the Super Comp category as Nick Shepard got the win in race number two defeating reigning division champion Justin Cooper in the final round. Nick also was the runner-up in race number one. So shouts to Nick. That's an incredible accomplishment. That was his first NHRA divisional Wally, if I'm not mistaken. In stock eliminator, I believe it was race two, friend of the podcast, Brad Burton, got the win. And it's early in the season, and it's early in Brad Burton's season. But uh, I think it's fair to call him as a a former two-time NHRA national champion with now two wins under his belt this season. I think it's fair to call Mr. Brad Burton a title contender once again in 2019. Big Jed, the other stock eliminator event contested that weekend, that'd be race one, was also won by a familiar name, another friend of the podcast, Mr. Jody Lang. Getting, I get Cody Lang 
Cody, wow. I get Cody Lane and Jody Lang confused. They are both Division Six runners, but Jody Lang, winner in Stock Eliminator. Also, other notables from Mission. Casey Plazier, who was top 10 in the world last season in Super Gas, won race one in that category. And defending top dragster champion, former guest on this show, Paul Nero was the runner-up in top dragster in race one. That's all that jumped out to me from the Division Six doubleheader. You got anything from there, Jed? Uh, no, that pretty much uh, sounded like you wrapped up anything that was interesting there, Luke. Okay, okay, that's what I do. So we'll go to uh, to Bell Rose for the Division Four event. Again, we don't touch a ton on Comp Eliminator, but Ryan Warder's double seemed notable. And uh, when you have a final round that includes Brad Plord, your man crush, Big Jed, I think you discuss. I think you mentioned Brad on every other show, maybe every episode. Do you have him <laughs> against David Rampey, another you know Alabama slammer that deserves mention? That's an all timer for your Comp Final. Oh, no doubt about it. And uh, as you know, we've talked about it's the year of the buggy. Uh, obviously, Rambo's in a buggy too. But Ooh, yeah, buggy, uh, buggy on buggy action. But bad Brad, I think, went to the pole and uh, gets it done in the race too, which was a big deal. And that Division Four bonus money that Roger Brogdon put up uh, was in play there at Bell Rose too. So Brad with a nice payday as well. And um, this is not the time for this, but I need to correct myself. I talked about Brad had run Dream Team races for two years and All-State races. Well, Brad didn't run the first Dream Team. So Brad has won every Dream Team race he's ever been in and every All-State race he's ever been in. So, yes, Man Crush, uh, most versatile racer in the country by far. So uh, congrats on uh, another big win in comp, Bad Brad. How about the final Bad Brad and Rambo matching 008 lamps in competition eliminator. Bad Brad gets the win. Well, I guess to be expected when you have a matchup of that caliber. Speaking of heavy hitting final round matchups, they were everywhere in Bell Rose. Superstop final pitted Jacob Pitt over Jeff Heffler. Two household names there. Jacob Pitt having an incredible season. I believe he's got launched uh, back-to-back wins earlier in the year. I think they were both in Stock Eliminator. This time, uh, he adds a Super Stock Wally to the hall for the 2019 season. Another epic final round matchup. How about Stock Eliminator? Slate Cummings over Austin Williams. Yeah. And with that one, Slate takes the national points lead. I don't like looking at it. I don't think that Slate has a national championship score. He's been to a lot of races. I mean, he's he's got a couple of finals and he is Slate Cummings. So the potential is there. But at this point, looking at it, like I wouldn't say that Slate's a favorite to win the national championship, but that win did put him into the lead. And once again, buried the lead. The super gas winner in Bell Rose. Care to take a wild guess? Put me on the spot. No. Good guess. Uh, I mean, like, that's a great guess, but it has nothing to do with what we have fun with here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. <laughs> the winner of Supergas at the Division Four event in Bell Rose, Louisiana, was none other than Jim Capiello, also known as <sighs> Jim Rod Cap, also known as Jim Rod Cap. Ready to go, Jim Rod Cap. <laughs> I hear a shout coming. Oh, yeah. It's inevitable. Got the win over Jolie Mitchell. Top dragster, Ross LaRice, 
yet another final round appearance. I think that's four on the season now. Two wins, two runner-ups. This one was of the runner-up variety. Took runner-up to Wynette Hudgens. Uh, yeah. Ross, now the – go ahead, go ahead. Any idea how Russ Laris did? <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm going to have to – Mark, can you do some research for us and pull up? pull up uh russ russ laris's call for the weekend <laughs> i don't know what russ did i know that ross had a good weekend down in uh in Belrose. this is this is great fodder we could have spent the entire show just talking about the Belrose divisional event jim rodcap and russ laris but uh yeah ross gets the uh the runner-up in top dragster uh is currently like the runaway points leader nationally in top dragster he leads by over 100 points but like a different situation of what we just talked about with Slate. I do think that Ross is the favorite to win this year's top dragster world championship, but he's sitting at 504 points or something like that. And just to put this in, into perspective, as great an early season run as Ross has had, there's plenty of meat left on the bone. Last year's top dragster world champion, Paul Nero, accumulated just over 600 points. So Ross still has a ways to go to get to what would typically be a championship score, but currently is far and away the leader in top dragster, and I would have to say the favorite to win this year's title. Again, two wins, two runner-ups uh, already on the ledger. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. To make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available, subscribe. And you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. Jed and I are proud to partner with Bill Taylor Enterprises. That's BTE here within the podcast. Neither of us, Jed or myself, are strangers to BTE products, services, or customer service. I've personally been using BTE transmissions and converters exclusively since 1998. That's 20 years. BTE has quite literally powered every race, every championship, every round that I've won for my entire adult life. My point, they build products that I depend on. BTE builds products that Jed depends on. BTE builds products that you can depend on. Whether it's a complete top dragster or, or top sportsman power glide transmission, a torque converter designed for your specific combination, or any transmission component or bolt-on item, the folks at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra-competitive world of sportsman drag racing. Shop online at BTE Racing. If you've been listening to the show for any period of time, you've heard me talk about This Is Bracket Racing Elite. Our premier membership community is my baby, and it's where I spend the bulk of my days working alongside hundreds of members in their constant pursuit to become the best version of themselves on the racetrack. But did you know that thisisbracketracing.com is more than just the membership community? In fact, Every training that we share with an elite is ultimately available for individual purchase on thisisbracketracing.com. That means literally hundreds of trainings on 
any racing topic that you can imagine, from reaction time to finish line, mental preparation to vehicle consistency, the business of drag racing to bottom bulb or super class specific competition, and more. All from instructors who've lived it, myself, five-time NHRA world champion Justin Lamb, two-time world champion Kevin Brandon, the best of all. When you visit thisisbracketracing.com for the first time, you're awarded access to one training for free, and you get to pick the topic. Yeah, whatever area you're struggling in, whatever you feel like you could use assistance with, we've got a resource designed to help you improve. Check it out today at thisisbracketracing.com. So we had a fair amount of big dollar bracket action on tap over the course of the last two weeks as well, Big Jed, but almost without missing one on the schedule, weather impacted just about everything. What actually got accomplished and and who won what, Big Jed? Yeah, there were uh, definitely some challenges for promoters uh, across the East Coast and Southeast this past weekend or over the last couple of weeks, Luke, but there were some winners, uh, maybe not as many as we'd like, but we'll start out with the No Box Nationals at Wagler Motorsports Park in Lyons, Indiana. Been a, a great event for a long time. Alan Neff and Greg Dillman have uh, given up the rights to that event, and Wagler owns it now, the, the track does, and their first year was quite a challenge. Uh, unfortunately, they were only able to get one 5K winner weekend. That was Josh Epperson. Yep, getting a big win over Andy Romine, tough bottom bulber from out in uh, your neck of the woods, I think, Luke. And the rain shortened that event up, unfortunately. So uh, hopefully they're able to come back in year two and, and get a lot better results. But it sounded like they tried really hard. Uh, we'll ease from uh, the farmland of Lyons, Indiana, over to Empire Dragway in uh, Leicester, New York, where they had the twin 75 hundos. I know John Sierra Jr. is part of that promotion team. Um, not real sure who all is involved, but uh sound like those guys put on a really good race. They uh, had Friday's race was uh, $1,500 in both top and bottom, where Ryan Henry got the win over Nick Bauman in the box category. And uh, no surprise here, Pete Diagnolo doesn't really have to be in New York for him to win, but he definitely shines in uh, in that state. He got the win in no box over Jim Subzinski. I don't know if I got that right or not, Jim, but I tried really hard. So Jim was in a streetcar there in the no box category. So you rattled it off like you knew, like complete confidence. So had you not? Yeah, I shouldn't. Have. Yeah, had, had you not backed it up at all, I'd been like, wow, Jed knows that guy. Yeah, yeah, I shouldn't have even said anything. You guys would have thought I nailed it. But so that started them out Friday with a couple of fifteen hundred dollar races. Saturday they had a seventy five hundred dollar race where the box category was won by Bob Belvick and the runner up was Keith Cleveland. I think Keith has uh done quite well here this early in the season. I think Keith's been in uh, the middle of some good races so far. No box category was won by Mark Leota, and the runner-up was Sam DeMario. Uh, that was Saturday, 7,500s in each class. Sunday was weather shortened and canceled. So the weather made its way up to New York and uh, affected that event as well. And the Mutt and Jeff race, which we talked about in What's on Tap in our last episode where we were together, Luke, at Beaver Springs Dragway 
in Pennsylvania. That was a 7,500, a 15K, and a 5K. Saturday, they had their $7,500 race where Andy Dolan took his G-body and got to win over Rory Krupp. Saturday was a 20-grander, so I'm guessing they were anticipating some Sunday weather like happened in New York. Beaver Bob and the gang got out in front of it, took that 15K and that 5K and combined it for 20 there at Beaver Springs. And Tony Hill got the win over Randy Krause, Tony and a dragster there. So uh, those guys got everything that was advertised. Sound like a good call by the folks there at Beaver Springs. We'll go from Beaver Springs in Pennsylvania down to Holly Springs, Mississippi, Luke, where Chad Axford put on the Mississippi Madness. Really cool, 10, 15, and 10 format for the top bulbers down there at Holly Springs. Chad Axford, uh, the promoter there, uh, had some weather challenges, but looks like those guys got it all done and then some. Very well done by the team at Holly Springs and Chad Axford. Uh, Friday's winter, Friday's winner, excuse me, in the 10K was Hunter Whitehead. Got the win in Butterbean, the famous Butterbean. Uh, family Camaro. Yes, Butterbean and another final. Brody Quick won here at my local track the Friday night prior. And then the next Friday it wins 10K, so Butterbean's on fire. Speaking of on fire, they got the win over a red-hot Chad Sandlin. Chad just showing up. Top ball, bottom ball, doesn't matter. Final rounds galore. Another big 10K final for Chad. Great job by him. He is definitely on fire. Let me let Speaking me interject. Let me interject, Ted. We were talking about this a little bit off air. Who has the cooler green first generation Camaro? Is it Brody Quick? Is it Tim Nicholson? Oh, that's really tough because Nicholson is uh, doing it the way it should be done, or at least old school anyway. He's got a lot of stuff going on in the cockpit there when he leaves the starting line. He does. But he that's does. Really Similar cool. cars, if you if you looked at them from a distance, you know, green, first-gen Camaros, white racing stripes, almost similar stance, you know, kind of got that, what, what do we call it off here, the nostalgia super stock look. Uh, yeah. Tim's car has way too small a, a front wheel and tire combination on it. That's just because he's got to get a light on a four-tenths pro tree. That's right. He's got to get a um, tree. I would give the advantage to Brody in, in terms of like a cleaner, cooler race car until you start, you know, poking around and be like, hey, what's that other pedal do? Because that's got to be fun. <laughs> yeah. But Brody's car is housed in Alabama, so he pegs the cool meter for me since I'm such a homer. Uh, Tim's a very close second. Fair enough. Fair so enough. speaking of cool and red hot. Sunday or Saturday, excuse me, was a 15K. I love you between, between the springs and cool. Your transition game is on point, Big Jet. Yeah, I'm really on. No. Got it. <laughs> so Saturday's 15K there to Mississippi Madness was won by Troy Poindexter. Now, that's a name I love, and I love Troy because he's an old bottom bulber, been doing that a long time. Gets a win over another tough bottom bulber, Timmy Elliott, that likes to hit the top as well. And neither one of these guys are spring chickens. And they ran that final at 3.45 a.m. Sunday. Now, there were obviously some weather challenges and things affected the event. But somehow, they got the 15K in that Troy Poindexter won. And they got in a 5K gamblers that Troy Poindexter won. Troy collected a 15K and a 5K check in the same day, roughly, into the next morning 
And Luke, I'm not real sure exactly how many years, but I read that Troy hasn't hit the top in maybe seven or eight years. He's a bottom ball guy. I think I saw like 15. Was it 15? Oh, my goodness. Maybe I mean, seven plus eight years. Maybe. I mean, we're in the business of hyperbole. Maybe it was 32. It's been a long time since Troy Poindexter <laughs> hit the top. Was the delay boxes 32 years ago? I think there was. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. maybe it was 32. It's been a long while. So if it's been that long, he probably set the box on 880 and had to keep adding to it. He was like, last time I hit the top, I think I was on 880 in the delay. Shouts he had to, to put his, a lot more in. Shouts to his crew chief who was operating the calculator, and just in case he had to cross over. So. <laughs> but Troy nonetheless figured it out, figured if out how to do if it. If you're born after 1990, you didn't get that. That's all right. Just roll with me. <laughs> the, the old crowd's <laughs> chuckling. <laughs> so Troy gets two big paydays there in the Saturday race. Sunday, I think they had a few more challenges with the weather and and some things, but got it done once again. Again, Chad Axford uh, and and the folks there at Holly Springs making it happen. A 10K winner was done, and that was J.R. Barclay getting a win over our buddy. Which wait a minute, I need to go back to Saturday's 5K because. Uh, the runner-up was who, Luke? Troy Page. Troy Page. Troy Poindexter beats Troy Page. A lot of Troy's going Sunday's on. 10K, J.R. Barclay defeats Troy Page's son and our good bud, Diamond Dallas Page, in the Drag Race Solutions 10K Sunday wrap-up. So uh, they got lots and lots of winners down there at Holly Springs over the weekend in the Mississippi Madness Center. Really cool format for uh, Chad Axford and the folks there. So hopefully they uh, are able to come back next year and do that again. And Luke, last but certainly not least, a race that's near and dear to both of us as we've attended it many times, uh, the Ultimate 64 probably had their most difficult uh, event in their, I believe, 14-year history. Uh, with weather just challenging those guys, uh, Randy Helton and Kelly Estes do a wonderful job. But uh, I think they were only able to get off some action on Friday, maybe a couple of 10 grand shootouts, if I remember right, or a bracket race. I can't remember, but uh, if I've read this right or heard it right, Chuck Sanders won both of those. Yeah, it was all so, Chuck Sanders all right. the time. I believe that the Ultimate 64 was the same weekend as the No Box Nationals in a similar region, and the rain just washed everything out. So similar uh, situation. The only race day that they got in was Friday. If I know you remember this, Big Jed, because as you said, we've been through several of those together. If there is one thing that Randy Helton and Kelly Estes do at the Ultimate 64, it is pack a lot of racing into a short period of time. So there were two races on the schedule for Friday. I believe it was a $10,000 to win, you know, main event, as well as a 64 car shootout for 12 grand, maybe somewhere in that range. And yeah, Chuck Sanders wins both of those uh, in his little S10 pickup. So weekend got off to a heck of a start. Unfortunately for everyone, that was also the finish. Uh, that was all that was able to get completed at this year's edition of the Ultimate 64. One last event, Big Jen, will actually go back in time a week. There were, as we mentioned earlier, two NHRA national events in the last two weeks, but this past weekend's was Norwalk, where no sportsman competition was covered. And uh, if you're not going to contest sportsman at your national event, guess what? We're not going to talk about it on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, although <laughs> we did dedicate a segment to it earlier. So other than that, we'll show them. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, we, we got him. So the week prior to that, NHRA National event at Bristol, Big Jet, I'll let you take the stage because there was an Alabama slammer that got the win. Near and dear to both of our hearts. So shouts to our buddy Bones, Super Comp winner at Bristol. Yeah, our boy Bones gets a big win there in Super Comp. He had ran the um, National Open at Bowling Green, I guess a couple of weeks prior, was down to like six cars in stock, and they were going to have to finish it Memorial Day on the Monday, and Bones had promised a, a customer he has, he had to meet him to look at a truck, so he just left. So Bones is kind of that guy that just, you know, he's going to have some fun, but if, if things get in the way of it, he'll leave. He didn't leave Bristol. He hung around and got a super comp Wally. I think, was that number eight? I believe number eight for Bones in uh, NHRA competition. He's won in super stock. He's won in super comp, super gas. I'm not sure what other categories. But top dragster, for sure. Top dragster, yes, yep. top dragster. So I, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty close in saying Bones has probably only given himself about 50 opportunities or less in NHRA national event competition and he's collected eight wallies so pretty good average i think that's not too bad i don't know how many he's been to but very capable racer one of our best friends and um really happy for him that was a cool deal to see him get that win but he wasn't the only story there luke the super stock final might have been a battle for the championship with a couple of guys that are on fire early in the season. No surprise if you know either one of these guys, but Joe Santangelo faced off against Ricky Decker, and Santangelo got the win, and that's three finals and five appearances with two wins, Uh, and that is a red-hot start to the season for Joe. Did you happen to see Double O Joe's box score from Superstock at that event? I did not. I mean, he wasn't double O Joe, like true to his to his word. But the total window for six rounds of Superstock competition—that's trans break off the bottom—he was a best of twelve, a worst of twenty-four, and if you throw out those two aberrations, the twelve and the twenty-four, the other four reaction times were all within the window between sixteen and eighteen. Wow, that's pretty nasty. That's so, very impressive. As you alluded to, we may well look back in early November and say that that final round at Bristol, because it was a six-round final, so that's a 21-point swing. That's a little over two rounds of competition. Like We may well look back in November and say that decided the championship, because those two guys are as red-hot as anyone. Santangelo, as you mentioned, off to an excellent start. That's Ricky Decker's third event appearance this season, his third final. He's won one, he's runnered up two more, and those two guys have some pedigree. They're both former NHRA world champions. Uh, I would expect them to duke it out to the end. And when you just look at the championship picture, again, it's early, so so things are a little bit fuzzy. But the guys involved in that, you've got the two that we just mentioned, plus a guy named Anthony Bertozzi, who I think we miscounted earlier. I think he's up to 74 World championships in his career. It's somewhere right in that range. Marion Stevenson is having an excellent season. Uh, Aaron Stanfield's having an excellent season. Aaron hasn't yet to win a national championship, but he's a young guy. Like I, I don't think it's ridiculous to say that he's going to get one, several potentially, before he's done. So you've got three like first ballot Hall of Famers 
Aaron Stanfield. And oh, by the way, like if you scroll a little bit further down the top 10, there's five time world champion Justin Lamb. Like those guys are all going to have a say in this championship. It's going to be a fun one to keep up with. Speaking of fun ones to keep up with, this event at Bristol, like we said, the final was a marquee matchup between Ricky Decker and Joe Santangelo. There was no way around having a final round marquee matchup. When those guys woke up Sunday morning, there were five cars remaining in Superstock. It was Joe Santangelo. It was Ricky Decker. It was Anthony Bertozzi. It was Jimmy Hidalgo Jr. And it was Tyler Bohannon. Mm. I mean, just wake up and look at the ladder and go, I don't, ooh. I mean, one of them had to buy, right? So he felt good about it. But the other four, I mean, just... Woo. That is a uh, an impressive road to hoe to get the win. And um, I mean, it feels good to win a national event anywhere, but it's got to have a little bit extra icing on the cake for Joe Santangelo to come through that field. Super Gas final at Bristol was another another marquee matchup, to be completely honest. Michelle Furr is someone who, I guess, relatively quietly, we've talked about repeatedly this season. She was in her second national and final in as many events. She was the runner-up at, uh, I believe it was Virginia, just a few weeks back. She was runner-up yet again, this time to Ray Sawyer, who was also appearing in his second final round in as many weeks. If you'll remember, Sawyer was the runner-up at the Division One event in New Media a week prior to Tom Stalba, who, by the way, Sawyer beat in Bristol in the semifinal round. So lots of familiar names in late. And just like we talked about with Joe Santangelo and Ricky Decker, this final round in Supergas, really the semifinal and the final could very well have title implications. Michelle Furr, Ray Sawyer, Tom Stalba, all putting together excellent early season led points ledgers in the Supergas category. So another one we could look back on and say, hey, that one round at Bristol, may have determined the championship. It'll be fun to keep up with. One other note, two other notes from Bristol. Monty Joe Bogan got the win in Stock Eliminator for his second national event win of 2019. If you'll remember, Monty Joe nearly doubled up at Charlotte just a few months ago. There he got the win in Super Stock, a runner-up in Stock. Here he took the win in Stock, defeating Mike Cotton in the final round. And that race in the final was incredible. I believe Monty Joe was... 10 take 8 to win a double breakout by a thousandth. So that's an awesome mm. final. So kudos to Monty Joe there. Yeah, no doubt some great racing by some great racers, especially when you go back to Michelle Fur and what she's accomplishing there in Super Gas and uh, having to, to face off against another red-hot competitor in Ray Sawyer. Those two always seem to be right in the middle of uh, the – whoever is going to be the victor. I mean, they, they always seem to be a determining factor in there. So that'll be uh, fun to watch that play out if those two racers continue on the red-hot streak. Great to see Monty Joe competing again. Not, you know, he took a little time off, not only competing, but he comes right back out of the box and, and performing at a very high level like he always has. So that's cool to watch as well. And uh, that super stock chase is uh, definitely going to be fun to to watch play out as well luke and I, I can't wait to hear your breakdown later in the season as these things are really starting to come down the race by race results uh telling us who's going to be the champion and listen to your amazing breakdown it's amazing going to be a, going to be a blast yeah oh, yeah i look forward to that yeah, as well 
as well as our half dozen listeners that get into that sort of thing. So it's good stuff. I will, can I break? Like I, I, I know the last time that we got together for a show, I think we set a podcast record. We were like an hour and 40 minutes. I don't think we're quite that long. We got a little ways to go, but I just got a break and I got story time. Can I go story time on you? Of course. It's your podcast. You can do anything you want to do. Good point. Good point. Our boy Bones, Super Comp winner at Bristol. I don't think this was the first national event Bones won. It might have been. Bones won the now you're going to get me lying. I think it was the Gator Nationals years ago. I mean, like 15-ish years ago in Cameron Dragster. And I, it, it might have been Atlanta. I might be completely lying. But it was definitely a national event. And um, Bones wins the semifinal. I don't remember the exact scenario. I think the, the deal, because I had a couple of these Cameron cars myself, we actually used to run the trans brake wires on these dragsters through the steering column, you know, up to the button. And then we'd notch the column to bring them out so you didn't have to run a stretch cord. Like, it was a really clean setup. Mm-hmm. The issue was that over time, you had a notch in the steering column. Okay? I <laughs> broke a steering column once, so I know this. Well, Bones broke a steering column, like, turning off the track after winning the semifinal round. Okay. And Bones and Shane Carr and whoever else was helping them rigged this thing back together and i think they like cut the steering shaft off and slid it further down into the other tubing and whatever like yell informed to the staging lanes they drill it they pin it so the steering wheel is like way up against the dash where you can barely reach it and they've got the wheel like literally 120 degrees off so straight is no semblance of straight and the buttons on the bottom instead of the top and if i remember right like bones is debating whether or not he's going to let go right-handed or left-handed because it feels so awkward to stage and try to hold the thing straight down the racetrack. And I don't remember what happened or how it shook down, but his wind light came on. And I think that's a really fun story. We should have him on the show because I'm sure that he could tell that much better than I could. But it's some semblance of that. That is so Bones. And I ran the Gator Nationals with Bones one time when I that when I passed Tech at the Gators. Yeah, I think yeah. We, our loyal listeners will remember that story. It's hard to forget. And Bones left in an ambulance. During oh the yeah, yes. <laughs> left in an ambulance with a spider bite, and I had no idea what hospital, anything. I'm just left in his motorhome, basically in the dust of the ambulance as they whisk him out of the the event. And I don't know. About eight or nine hours later, I come back from watching a little racing. Uh, waiting to hear an update on my buddy Bones, and he's sitting in his motorhome with Sonny's Barbecue. He got picked up at the hospital after they released him, and he stopped and got me Sonny's Barbecue on his way back from uh, spider bite treatment. And what uh, that? That, that was a, that was an awesome weekend at the Gators. It it started a little rough, and ended really good. So uh, the good news is you did not have to go back through tech after Sonny's. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, let's tell the people what's on tap for the coming weeks, Big Dead. Honey, where are we racing next week? It's time to discuss next week's major events, news, updates, releases, and announcements. It's what's on tap. So, Luke, uh, obviously a lot of racing on tap. It's summertime, so we, we get some great racing opportunities during this time of year, and there's a big old list. But I'll be a little bit selfish right now, and I want to talk about a race that's near and dear to my heart, and that's the BT World Foot Brake Challenge number 13, which will happen July the 4th through the 7th at Bristol Dragway. We're 
again in our 13th year and this year is shaping up to be a possible record-breaking event. I just really can't thank everybody enough. The Lopez Motorsports Triple Tens is going to be huge by all indications. We've got roughly 300 pre-entered racers. We've got a policy that allows racers to single enter up front on the pre-entry, then they can buy their second entry if they want to double at the gate for the same thing they paid for their pre-entry. And we've got a very small number of doubles in that 300 number. So all indications are we're going we're gonna to be battling our record of 459 entries. It's going to be great. We've got over $15,000 worth of prizes from some great manufacturers and great companies in racing that allow us to do some round prizes and special awards. And I'm actually getting messages now about some people wanting to contribute more. So that's a wonderful thing. And it's just going to shape up to really be an awesome event. We've got uh, Ryan Gleghorn and Jake Hodge going to be on the horn with my bud JJ. He'll be calling some laps as well. And just really looking forward to getting up there in Bristol and having a great footbreak event. And I think if anybody's been paying attention to my promotion efforts, which, you know, who knows if they do or don't, they know that July the 6th, which is Saturday's race, we're going to make a huge announcement for footbrake racing. Uh, it will be uh, footbrake history will be announced by July the 6th at uh, Bristol. So really looking forward to that too, Luke. I'm glad you brought that up, Jed, because I was going to try to tee that up and see if I could coax any information out of you. You've got me, who like I won't even claim to be a footbrake racer anymore. You've got me on the edge of my seat. So I want to know what's going on. Obviously, I'm going to have to wait to July 6th, but any any little morsel appetizer you could throw out there for me? Yeah, it'll be the biggest winner's purse ever for a footbrake-only event. It will be 100% guaranteed. There will be, obviously, a pre-entry approach to it, as we've done for every event we've ever held. BT will be the title sponsor, so we're thankful to have them back for uh, every race we've ever done and if you can think back to the early days of the WFC you ran a a 50k final yourself which was uh, groundbreaking record-breaking at the time well this is going to be quite a bit larger than that and it will be it will be big for the footbrake world we're super excited Uh, obviously a little nervous as well because it's guaranteed and we we promise it'll get paid no matter what. So we're going to need a lot of support, and we're looking forward to announcing it and seeing what kind of feedback we get. But definitely really excited about about that huge announcement to go along with what's going to be an amazing 13th World Footbrake Challenge there at Bristol Dragway. So we'll talk about that more on the podcast one day soon, I'm sure. Fantastic. I look forward to it. All right, so what's on tap for the coming weekend? We opened the show talking about the SFG 500 slash SFG 525 slash richest event in drag racing history. You guys know that that's coming to Martin, Michigan, uh, the week of June 26th through the 30th. That same week, uh, NHRA Division One heads to Lebanon Valley for that event. Uh, you just mentioned the World Footbrake Challenge, Big Jed. That's July 4th through the 7th. And uh, that typically, as it is Independence Day weekend, houses a ton of racing across the country. It looks like this year is no different. 
No, uh, July the 5th through the 7th, same weekend, the Firecracker Bracket Nationals at Byron Dragway, which I think you attended uh, last year, if I remember correctly. and Just uh, snagged up two entries. I'll be back. Yeah, so you'll be back there. What is the purse, Luke? Because uh, I know that's big. Uh, 30 on Friday, 30 on Sunday. Those book and a $100,000 payday on Saturday. $100,000 payday on Saturday. That's uh, very interesting. July the 5th through the 7th as well is the uh, infamous 10-tuck series Bowling Green Raceway and uh, Beach Bend Raceway, excuse me, in Bowling Green, Kentucky. You've attended events there quite often as well. That's a, that's a great summertime event. They've got a water park there at uh, Bowling Green at Beach Bend right along with the drag strip. So great time for the families to go enjoy a little bit of everything. Same weekend is the NHRA New England Nationals which will be at Epping, New Hampshire. And the same weekend, July 5th through the 7th, is uh, Lucas Oil Division Three race at Indianapolis in uh, Indiana. So that's, um, again, another very popular event. So a little bit of something for everybody. And whether you're divisional, national, or just some big money bracket racing, tons of racing available to you over the next couple of weeks, and especially the week of July the 4th. So y'all get out and enjoy that. Well, that pretty much does it. That wraps up this episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, number 135. I want to say thanks to our great sponsors, uh, the IHRA and the folks at BTE. We appreciate their support. And here is, again, a wonderful favorite segment of mine is shout out time. All right, I've been teeing it up. Shouts to, yes, it's going to be every show. He is the new Cole Castile. Shouts to Jim Rod. Shouts to Jim Capiello. Jim Rod Cap. Jim Rod Cap. Congrats on your win in Belrose, sir. Shouts to the one, the only, the unmistakable Chet Dragon. I think we went the whole episode without mentioning Chet Dragon. We, we, no, you started with him. Oh, that's right. We'll start with him and we'll end with him. Chet Dragon here on the Sports and Drag Racing Podcast. Shouts to Bill Bader Jr., whose judgment I will never question. Shouts to both Jody Lang and Cody Lane. Make sure to get that right in the future. Shouts to Mutt. Shouts to Jeff. And shouts to Mutt and Jeff. Shouts I don't mean to, to interrupt you here, but wasn't Mutt Lang married to Shania Twain or something? I don't sure. know. I mean, sure. <laughs> I sure. just, I mean, all those langs and lanes and mutts. I know. And mutts and Jeffs. And it seemed natural at the time, but go ahead, Luke. My I'm apologies. good with it. I'll shout out to Jason Lynch and or Chris Stein. One of those two, sure to be uh, the next guest on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast after they win the SFG 525. Shouts to Troy Poindexter and the 62 years since he competed with the delay box. <laughs> Shouts to Poindexter's everywhere, actually. Shouts to Russ Laris and to Ross Larice. Excellent season going on there. Shouts to Butterbean. Shouts to Bones and his steering wheel and to Sonny's Barbecue and to the NHRA Division II tech staff. And Jed, I got to <laughs> close this one. All right, so I get this email. I want to Let me just shout out Drag. The Complete Story. This is a book, okay, by a man by the name of Simon Doonan. And so I get an email 
about a week ago, and and most of our listeners, Jed, I know you know, like I I, I enjoy reading. I'll, I'll go through the occasional book. So I get this email, and it says, Luke, we would love to forward you a copy of Drag: The Complete Story, which is a complete history on drag racing is the way I read the email. I'm like, wow, somebody's actually writing a book on the history of drag. Like, this is going to be awesome, right? So I'm like, and and they preface this by saying, if you like the book, we would love for you to have Simon on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. I'm like, yeah, send me the book, right? So I'm clicking through the links and I'm like reading a little bit about the book and I'm like, this doesn't, like, originates in Rome and what like i don't wow like i didn't realize that any of this as i read a little bit further i come to realize that this is not the complete history of drag racing this is the complete history of drag oh no like featuring rupaul so shouts to drag the complete story and simon doonan and his request to come on the sportsman drag racing podcast somehow <laughs> i don't think he would be particularly welcomed by our audience but hey you never know if you guys like uh message me we'll research it a little bit more but i, I that made my day and um you know that I'm, I'm glad to see that the podcast is is reaching its yeah. audience you know i mean we're getting <laughs> some some notoriety some recognition so that's always good but yeah so interesting i, I was really fired up for the book i didn't pre-order my copy in case you're wondering I got I got pretty varied reading interests, but that's not really on the top of the list. So that's where we're at. So shouts to Simon and uh, and his book. Definitely one of the best shout segments ever, and it ended in classic style. So very well done, my friend. Guys, be sure to tell us what you think. Message us right there on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. Tell us what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, what you want to see more of, what you want to hear less of, whatever. Just tell us something. Let us know you're at least listening. My goodness. Or you can at either Luke or myself right there on the Twitter. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I, and I am at JP11X. We've got a great guest lined up for you to listen to next week. Enjoy that. And Luke and I will get back together with you in a couple of weeks and talk about more heroes in the sport of sportsman drag racing. See you guys. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get in it. Attitude like I am already winning it. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty switching feet like Jerry Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling 
not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers. That's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.